If you would, you join me in your Bible to the book of Matthew. Now, this morning, I, was, I made the announcement that I was going to speak on the making of a wild man, uh, talking about Ishmael, Isaac, talking about the Israeli situation. Next week, I'll be talking about uh, the Golan Heights, uh, the West Bank, and uh, just actually how did Israel get it, why did he get it, why did it start, what did the Bible have to say about all of those things, and really... Who was offered in Genesis 22 on the altar there by Abraham? See, the Muslims think it was Ishmael. Christianity knows it's Isaac. There's a lot of difference. And there's nothing going on over there. It's just a bunch of cousins fighting one another, and they're going to fight till Jesus comes back. No matter how much money we send them, they're still going to fight. Because Ishmael is a wild man, and he'll be against his neighbor and his neighbor against him until the Prince of Peace comes back. So next week we'll talk about oil, not the kind you anoint yourself with and all that kind of stuff, but come and we'll have a good time out of the book of Genesis. The reason I said that because there's folks watching on television that missed today said he's going to watch it just because I was going to preach on that subject. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> so in the short time we have, turn your Bible, Matthew chapter 19, if you would please. The book of Matthew Chapter number 19. And I just thought this would be a good subject today for uh, us coming together and, and meeting together. And I've, So many folks ask me, how's my eye doing? Well, uh, it's sin. That is good. It's sin. Uh, they said that my eyesight was 1090. So we'll get that after a while. Things supposed to be 2020. It's 1090. That means I can't see anything here or out there because that's too far and this is too close. Verse 16. Verse 16 of your Bible. Real short now, real to the point. Real, real, real. And the Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life. I want to talk to you about a man caught in the goodness trap. What good thing can I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is none but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, if you would, for time's sake, verse 25. And his disciples heard it, and they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Heaven is not a place for good people. Now, the people that get there will be good, but heaven is not a place for good people. 
Because the Bible said there's none that doeth good. Now, there's some who do better than others. You better say amen, husband. There are some folks who do better than others. There are some folks who are worse than others. But that happened because of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, before the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, there was no such thing as English peas. English peas are the result of the fall. If you don't believe that, I'll show you sometime. Not in the Bible. I wrote it down. It's possible that the man we are referring to here is mentioned three times in the Bible. And every time he's mentioned, riches is equated to him. In fact, this portion of Scripture is noted as the rich young ruler. This young man who came to Jesus and asked him, What good thing can I do that I may have a one-way ticket to heaven? And Jesus told him, he says, There's none that can get there apart from me. It makes no difference if we're Baptist, if we're Presbyterian, if we're Pentecostal, it makes no difference. Jesus said, there is none good. No, not one. You know, we have folks here today that has the philosophy and the belief that if their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds when they get before Jesus, then their good deeds will uh, open them a way into the pearly gates. You know, good deeds, bad deeds. Boy, good de We teach our kids Bad, bad, you're bad, you're bad. You ought to see my grandkids if you talk about bad. And we call them little angels, but when they get a little older, they grow a forked tail and horns, and, and, and their true nature comes out. Is that right? How many of you folk here ever taught your grandkids how to tell a lie? Didn't need to, did you? I wonder why. There's none that doeth good. Paul said, there's none righteous, no, not one. He also said, there's none that seeketh after God. He said, there's none good, no, not one. So today, if you and I are planning on get to heaven in our own deeds, we are strictly out of luck. Because with man, this is impossible. They tell me out in my soul, when in, well, preacher, you get there your way, I'll get there mine. I tell them I don't have a way. I, there is a Bible way. There's a Jesus way. But there's no Baptist way. And I just say, well, I'm sorry, but if you're leaving for heaven today, which way would you go? And what would you buy to sit down in to get you there? And which direction would you leave in if you were going to get to heaven on your own? What is your way? Amen, preacher. Now, I know somebody who has a way. 
His name is Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. But we are so hung up on this on this pluralism today where that everybody's got a way to get to heaven. The Muslims got a way and the Baptists got a way and everybody's got a way. There's only one way. And it is Jesus' way. And this young man is mentioned three times in the Bible, possibly. He's mentioned here in Matthew as the rich young ruler. He's mentioned in Luke chapter number 12 as the man who had invested, invested his riches and his crops were so huge. Guess what? He had no place to put all of his goods. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. I'll build larger barns and put all my stuff in my barn. And Jesus looked at him and said, Thou fool. He was a fool when he was a young man. He was a fool when he was an adult. And Luke 16 might describe the same guy when it said in hell he lifted up his eyes, been in torment. In life he played a fool. And in death he was a fool. In his young life he made it. In his adult life, he kept it. When he got old, he left it. You know how much of his wealth he took with him? You know how much years you're going to take? You say, wait a minute, what's wealth got to do with it? How hard is it for a rich man who trusts in his riches to go to? The problem is trust. It's okay to have things as long as things don't have you. Notice, if you would, please, three truths. I like to leave you. It's 10 minutes, and we were at 12 o'clock. Hey, by the way, good news. The Cowboys play tonight, so I can preach as long as I want to. Is it tomorrow night? That gives me another day to preach. As I read these stories throughout the Bible, the same story is mentioned in the book of Luke, and it's mentioned in the book of Mark, and it's mentioned here in the book of Matthew. Every time I read, it talks about riches, great possessions. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. But the story is not about materialism. It is not about money. It's about who then can be saved. You know what's most important to you today? It's not how much money you got. The most important thing to you and I today is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you noticed you're getting older? Every step you take, you're taking just one more step either closer to heaven or closer to hell. Every breath you take is just one more breath closer to heaven or to hell. The issue is not money. The issue is who then can be saved? The goodness trap. Do you know anybody who's locked in the goodness trap and they feel that their goodness is going to appease God at the judgment day and that they're so good and so kind and so generous and so benevolent 
that God just could not send them to hell. They're locked in a goodness trap. I wonder who locked them there. I was reading a verse of scripture this morning. The Bible said, now listen, if our gospel, gospel be hid, it is hid, hid from those that are lost. Listen, for the Bible says, for the God whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine through. Locked in the goodness trap. My wife's got chickens. Did Billy leave? He didn't believe what I was preaching, I guess. I just chairman board deacons. He's on my staff, so he ain't going to get mad at me. You ever notice how refreshing it is when you looked at the signature on the check each week? You fall in love with your boss over anew, don't you? You know anybody who's locked in a goodness trap? Do you know anybody that the God of this world hath blinded their minds lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine through you know any good people? I mean good people. Good people. Probably better people than we are. Good people who have their minds darkened to the fact that there's only one way to heaven and it's through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The God of this world hath their eyes blinded. Three things. Number one, I want you to note this. The importance of having God in your lives when you're young. The importance of having God in your life when you're young. This rich young ruler was wealthy to the nth degree. Politically, he had climbed the ladders and become a ruler in his day. He was affluent. He was young. He was religious. He attended the services. But he didn't have Christ in his life. Kids, don't miss heaven. Kids, don't miss a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Get saved. You say, preacher, what's saved? Listen, I'm going to give you a theological lesson. Saved is opposite from lost. Would you rather be saved or lost? What you need to do today, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Because you're not saved, you're lost. And if you're lost, you don't know which way it is back to the house. And sinners don't know which way it is to heaven. They're lost. So you get saved today and go to heaven with someone who's been there. His name is Jesus. You like that? You want to buy the outline? Adults. When he was your age, he had it made. He had all of his crops laid by, money in the bank, and wealth to spare. And he said, like some of us, so thou hast much goods laid up for many days. What shall I do, he said. He said, I think I'll just build me some bigger barns. Leave God out of my life. 
Don't thank God for the crops. Don't thank God for the blessings. I am going to build me bigger barns. And when the man got your age, God said, Thou fool, tonight I'm calling you home. Your soul will be required of me. Hey, this story is not about money and crops. It's about who then can be saved. And thank God today, anybody in you that wants to go to heaven can go Jesus' way. You don't have to go a Baptist way. You don't have to go any other way. Just go Jesus' way. When he was young, he acted like a fool. When he was our age, <laughs> boy, that's being generous, you being my age. Is there any folks over here my age? You look it. <laughs> See this. That means she's cleaning her throat. And when he was our age, he died of food. Wasn't about money. Wasn't about security. It was about who then can be saved. Most important question in all the world. Can I be saved? And Jesus said with men, that is ridiculously impossible. If one person could go to heaven apart from Jesus Christ, then the creator God of all this universe made a mistake when he hung his only son on the cross to die for wicked folk like me. But man, it's impossible. But thank God, with God, all things are possible. With God, even Doug can be saved. With God... Some of you outlaws got saved. Praise be unto God. Aren't you glad of that? How absolutely appalling it is for young folk to leave Jesus out of their life. How foolish of any of us to go through this life and leave Jesus out of our life. The awful, awful, awfulness of dying without Jesus in our lives. See, the real issue is who then can be saved? It's about eternal life. It's about being saved. Listen to Jesus. When he answers our question, who then can be saved? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who then can be saved? Jesus said, whosoever that believeth in him. 
the great apostle who built churches all over the Mediterranean seacoast in the early in the early ages. And he said then, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who then can be saved? The apostle Paul told the Romans church, Whosoever shall call upon You know what? Would you do something for me? Everybody. Now on three, I want you to say, I am a whosoever. I'll count. Some of you don't think I can count to three. <laughs> For enough money, I'll do it backwards. I am a whosoever. That's what I want you to say. Now, why? Because I've got it written in my note for you. It's time for you to say that. That's, that's why it's right. Okay. One. I am a whosoever. You want to do it again? That's pretty good, wasn't it? You're not as good as our choir, but it's good. Okay, ball game out and started yet. One. Two. I am a whosoever. Who then can be saved? For whosoever. You say, that's not Calvinistic. You're right. It's not Arminianism either. It's the Apostle Paul. For whosoever. Who is a whosoever? Ha! You are the whosoever. You say, preacher, this is so simple. I'm glad. I don't want you to leave here saying, I wonder who he is talking about. The great Peter of, of the Apostle preaching the first sermon, one of the first sermons in all the New Testament. He said, And it shall come to pass that in those days, whosoever believeth in him, whosoever shall call on him, shall be saved. Isn't it wonderful? I don't know if it's true or not. I read it the other day. Actually, they told it to me as an old woman. I don't believe in old women. I believe in elderly ladies. Why? Because it's safer after the preaching is over. An elderly lady having a very difficult time financially could hardly pay her bills and all she had was just a few candles to keep her warm. The landlord was attempting to kick her out of the apartment in the wintertime she was scared to death of what to do, no income. She was absolutely frightened. And one day she was sitting at home with a little candle lit, trying to keep warm. She heard a knock on the door. She said to herself, oh, I bet that's the landlord. He's going he's to kick me out of the apartment. I, I don't know what I'll do. I, I just, I'll just sit here and, and uh, pretend that I'm not at home. They knocked again afraid of the cold and afraid of the uncertainty of life, she just held her place and didn't move. The knock went away. Two weeks later, she found out it was not the landlord. It was a friend who came by to pay her rent for her. And she, because of fear, didn't answer 
I close. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or any woman or any young person open the door, I will come in to him. You listen real good right now. Is the Lord knocking on your heart? He loves you and I so much that he'll go to the uttermost parts of the earth just to knock on a sinner's heart and woo them and love them and save them and give them eternal life. Please, out of fear, don't let him leave. Invite him in today, whatever you do. This is Roundup Day. It's time to round up all the strays. Amen. I don't want to put a brand on you. I want Jesus to put a brand on you.